You haven't been on the Twitters? You want to go see Star Wars? Again? Yes, again. Because I've seen it twice. You have seen it. I've seen it three times. Hello. Hi. I'm Fernando. I'm Leslie. And this is the Working for the Mandroid podcast. We're back from our semi-hiatus. This is still the holidays, so we're kind of on a, on a weird schedule. Yeah, I think, is this episode 26? Are I, we making this a full rounded episode? I believe we are. We, it's still a special episode. It's the, the episode for this week. And guess what? Tomorrow's my birthday. Tomorrow is your birthday. What is this episode's subject matter? Star Wars. And only Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say, if you have not seen Star Wars, don't listen to this episode. Um, we're going to talk in depth about some of the plot points. And there's no way to really talk about there the movie. There will be spoilers. There will be plenty of spoilers. There's no way to talk about this movie without talking about spoilers because... It was such a joy to watch. If you haven't seen it, I'd highly recommend you go see it. If you don't care or aren't spoiler adverse, go ahead and you can listen on. But I would definitely recommend just, just go just in. Just tuck this, this episode away yeah. and come back to it after you've seen Star Wars. Like, I've been doing all the podcasts that are reviewing Jessica Jones and uh, Master of None. Because we, we haven't watched all that yet. Yeah, that's right. And so, without further ado... Star Wars. So I kind of gave away the fact that I liked it early, very quickly into this podcast. Did you enjoy the movie? I did. The first time I watched it, I was grinning the whole way through, and I felt a bit stupid. But meh, everybody else was probably grinning too. Yes, I I agree. I was uh, grinning from ear. So we saw the Force Awakens on its seven p.m. premiere on Thursday night. I had the day off, and then I had the next day off. And you went, went and saw it again. Went and saw it again at 10.30 a.m., and then the both of us went again to go see on Saturday to go see it in 3D. And so I, I feel fairly confident saying that we've seen enough of the plot and gone through enough of the story to give it a fair shake. IMAX 3D. IMAX 3D. You are correct. IMAX 3D. Um, I... I was not a participant in our previous Star Wars episode where you talked to Braxton, so for a little bit of background. Yes. I my relationship with Star Wars is I watched the original ones before they got all crazy edited added. So the original ones on VHS when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um and then I think I've seen New Hope and maybe the one after that since I've been an adult. And I've seen bits and pieces whenever they're running it on G4. Okay. Um, but I haven't seen the original trilogy in total in a while. Okay. I've seen the first prequel. Phantom Menace? Phantom Menace once as a television edit. Okay. Also when I still lived at home because I was a kid. And once on DVD. And then I saw the second one, which is... Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. I've seen that one. And I've never seen the third prequel. Okay. I have, however, set. played all the Star Wars Lego games. Fair enough. All the way through. We were at like 98%. So it's not just we played the episode, the levels once. We played them over and over until we got all the stuff. So I'm well familiar with the plot points as told by Lego characters. <laughs> very, very good. I, you don't really miss... Watching the prequels isn't a heavy requirement for going into this movie. And... Really and truly, neither is watching the original trilogy. While you will probably pick up on certain 
plot points and be familiar with some characters, I think in and of itself, this movie stands alone fairly easily. And in fact, probably stands up on its own fairly well without the continuity of those original. The For the most part, the plot would, a lot of the character interactions, especially with Han and Leo, probably wouldn't make a lot of contextual sense without having at least seen the original series. So... Because they didn't have much chemistry going on. Yeah, but there is the the revelation that they had a son together um, during. Well, let's let's go ahead. Let me go ahead and set up a little bit of this movie. But um, I didn't finish. And oh, then sorry. I've seen half of the Clone Wars, the cartoon, yes. and then we watch Rebels. But I'm not like diehard Star Wars fan like you. I was always a fan of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um. But I didn't actively, like, I realized two days before we went and saw this movie, I own no Star Wars clothes. Like, I don't have a Star Wars t-shirt. I don't have funny Star Wars socks. I I don't. So I I'm, was feeling a little lacking in the, mm. the fandom element of it. But I really enjoyed the movie. Good, good. Um, my reaction was fairly, was really positive. Upon first viewings, I there was some parts that made me cringe, and we'll get into that. And then on second viewing, that kind of faded away. And by the time I watched it the third time, I think I've uh, some of the problems that I had with it weren't as blatant to me on the third time. Um, I uh, I am a fairly big Star Wars fan. I do I have repeatedly watched episodes four, five, and six. Um, I have also repeatedly watched episodes one, two, and three. Um, I remember going through the hype of episode one because I am of an age where I was not born yet when when episode four came out. I was too young to go to the movies when episode five came out and episode six when it came out. I did not go see it in theater, so I am of the age where I watched a lot of those in on VHS or when they were on television when episode one came out and there was going to be prequels super excited they were going to be written by george lucas and it was going to be fun and the tech the cg and the technology was at a point where it could probably make the aliens and stuff really come alive and so i was in that hype that was the episode one, two, and three bonanza. I st- I bought my tickets really early. Stood in line to get tickets. Stood in line to get to watch the movie um, for ridiculous amounts of time, and um, was a little heartbroken when those three movies really didn't live up to their imagined potential. Um, and it, it it was just a, an, an a crazy amount of pressure that was probably put on those movies early on and much more so this time around i think the anticipation for this movie and um kind of anxiety surrounding please don't let it be bad please don't let this be bad please don't let this be bad um was palpable there was a lot of people that were really hoping that jj abrams who directed this film could pull this off and i think he did i think he does um so this movie takes place, if you're unfamiliar with the Star Wars universe, um, episodes 4, 5, and 6... It takes place in space. It takes place in space, <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. But it takes place 30 years after the events of 
um, Return of the Jedi. And so Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, and Princess Leia are now all 30 years older than they were in those original in the original originals and I guess in episodes 4, 5, and 6 30 years after um, Return of the Jedi and this picks up with brand new characters um, so first off we have uh, actually this story picks up very similarly to A New Hope and you'll find that if you watch Attack of Attack of the Clones. Um, if you watch The Force Awakens, that it's going to structurally feel a lot like A New Hope. A New Hope starts off with uh, Darth Vader uh, coming in and taking over a ship, and here you have essentially the Darth Vader character who is a Kylo Ren, who's played by a Adam Driver. Um, he comes down to this village, and he starts to kind of wreak havoc. You meet a hero, which in this case is Oscar Isaac's Podameron, who is interacting um, with Max Van Sydow, uh, who is playing Lore Santeca. And nobody knows who he is. No, yeah, no, nobody. There is a little bit mentioned in the dialogue between them. And that's kind of implied by where they are and the circumstances. Um, there is a heavy implication that he has at one point been with the rebels. Um, because because he's making things right. Um, and that he is familiar with Princess Leia because um, Poe Dameron calls her General Leia. And um, Max... At one point, says she was. She's always royalty to me. Tech. Yeah, Max is the actor. Yes. Um, um, well, there is something on Wikipedia. I don't know where the context came from or um, what the source material is, but it says that he worked with her and with Princess Leia in the Senate, like during New Hope days. So yeah. he might have been part of the Rebel Alliance during New Hope at days. At one point. And that he was a Jedi that retired and now is part of the Church of the Force. I don't know what that is. Interesting. But that's from Wikipedia and has yet to be fully revealed through any other I don't, I don't know. I didn't see what media. the source was. It might be in one of the new books. Okay. So it, it'll be interesting. Um, I know that there is very little on him. Um, you and I had kind of speculated or hoped that he was a character from the rebels, rebels cartoon yes that would would be a child or young adult in that universe and then be 30 years older um oh he wouldn't be a young adult that guy is 80 yeah but he would be in the rebels he would be what a teenager how i saw that um or as much older you think it would be uh -huh. is 52 years before this so he would be like 32. Yeah, possibly. So he'd still be an adult. That's why I was thinking it could have been, um, oh gosh, the guy with the goatee on Rebels, the Jedi. Oh, um, now, now I can't remember his name either. It'll come to us Freddy later. Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr., the guy who's played by Freddie, yeah, the guy, the voice who does. 
the voice of uh, I want to say Negan, but that's the bad guy in the upcoming Walking Dead yeah. series. No. Um, Kanan. Kanan, yes. Very good. Um, yes. And so that's the kind of first set piece, um, which is a really good set piece because you get a sense for Kylo Ren's power. He's able to stop a, a phaser in midair, yeah. a blaster in mid- midair. Um, And by the phaser, I mean the actual energy blast that's coming out of the phaser, not the phaser itself. Do you think that he is so powerful because there are so few people using the force? I think that he has mastered several little pieces of force power, but not all of them. But he's doing things that Darth Vader couldn't do. Darth Vader can read people's minds. Um, he, He could read, he could sense people... And he could sense lying. He couldn't like read their minds. No, he couldn't read their minds. And but we never saw it tested. We never saw him push that power the way that we saw, um, Kylo, the way that we see Kylo Ren push his power in the Force Awakens. You don't see that from Vader. You never get to that portion of it. I just um, wonder if that's why Rey is so strong with the Force is because she's like the only one using it. There's more force for her to access more easily. That's and that's an interesting point. It hasn't something that's been talked about too much. Um, if the number of people access, if there's a limit to the force power available in the universe, and therefore the fewer number of people there are, the more powerful they are. That's never been expressed in any of the new canon or the canon from the movies. But it's an interesting or idea. Maybe it's easier to access, so you can be stronger. That's faster. entirely possible. Because didn't um, Luke have to like practice with the droid before he could use a lightsaber? Yes, and this that that brings up an interesting point. So you you kind of start, started talking about um, the main character of Ray, uh, whom we get introduced. So the main MacGuffin for the mo- majority of this movie is a map that Poe Dameron has hides in the BB-8 unit, which is another great character in this movie. Um, escapes the attack on this city where Poe is talking to uh, Tekka um, and um, Poe Dameron is captured. The droid is not, who gets away with this map that at the time we just know leads to Luke Skywalker. Yeah. It's like the last missing piece. Yes. It's the last missing piece to the map. This droid goes and and actually, essentially, bumps into our next hero, which is um, play his, who is Ray, played by Daisy Ridley, who does a really, really great job throughout the entire movie. Um, and so now, uh, as we meet Ray, we see I think more so than with Luke, we see just how hard her life is. Like Luke is a farmer who essentially lives with his aunt and uncle. He knows he lives with his aunt and uncle. He's about 18 or 19, and she's about that age. She's about 18 yeah. or 19. Um, but we don't. there's not a hardship there. There's more of a whininess to him. He wants to leave home. He doesn't want to be on this farm. Um, but she, on the other hand, is scavenging for parts, trying to earn enough money to eat. Yeah, and she lives, what, in a broken at-at? That's what it looked like. Yeah, it, it looks like... I'm not sure if that's her home or if that's just one of her hangouts. 
there it's never it's never clear it's just like she makes a meal inside this place and then when then she goes outside to eat and she, it's an at at unit yeah so it made me think that that's one of the places like where she lives yep and she was marking the walls every day yeah every day that went by for her family to come back for her yeah it is heartbreaking stuff really very gritty uh stuff for a, a girl who's barely making enough to kind of get by um and bumps into this bb8 unit yes whom who is adorable who is adorable throughout the movie of course if you find this adorable robot you would say yes come home with me but at first she doesn't i don't have to feed you so you (laughs) just be my friend yeah and when given the opportunity to trade that bb8 unit for food I got a lot of food. Yeah. Like, no, my mm, robot. Yeah. And then she decides not to. But um, she also, at that point, she speaks droid and... Understands droid. BB-8 says... He's on a classified he's, mission. He's on a classified mission. And it's important. So when... I think she realizes when that traitor gives... Was like, I'll give you 60 food packets. She yeah. realizes exactly how how special... A droid is mm-hmm. and that she needs to protect it and try to get it back to its rightful owner and then at that point that's when ray runs into or is run in actually she she knocks out finn. yes so that is when we meet the character of finn not for the first time we've actually meet finn for the first time in the attack on this in the very beginning action sequence he is a stormtrooper who is a reluctant stormtrooper who does not decide, who decides not to fire upon a group of helpless people. He, <coughs> he is not a bad guy, and the brainwashing for the bad guys is not working out. Yeah. And that is Finn. Yeah. And Poe gives him his name because his actual, like, stormtrooper name is FN number, number, number from New Hope. His number is the cell that Leia was in from A New Hope. Mm. It is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Um, are you sure? Because that's what all the websites are saying. So. It's like FN4129, and she was in cell 4129 in A New Hope. Um, I don't think so. Now I'm going to look that up. Hold on. Oh, wait, you look that up, and I'll talk about Finn. So Finn was taken as a baby from his family to be used in the First Order's army. And that makes me wonder if there's, like, a First Order nursery somewhere, and they're just, like, stormtroopers nursing babies. And I want that show. That's the, the stormtrooper nursery show. It's on EW, it's on BuzzFeed, it's on all sorts of things. Um, But he, the programming's not working out so well, and he kind of has a panic attack after he watches some of his stormtrooper buddies get slaughtered, and watched his buddies slaughter a bunch of innocent people, and he decides to rescue Poe from his capture. And that's one of... Like, that sequence of Finn rescuing Poe and then leaving through, um, you gotta plug in the name of the ship for me. Millennium Falcon? No, the ship they steal from the First Order. 
the the ball with the two wings. Oh, the Tie Fighter. The Tie Fighter. Yeah, that that sequence was when I was like, okay, yes, I'm going to enjoy this movie because it was. There had been moments like hinting at humor, especially Poe Dameron kind of standing up to Kylo. Okay, so I found the cell block stuff. Yeah, I was right. And so it's detention. Sh- She's in. De- they're looking in detention block AA two three. Um, but she's in cell. But she's in cell twenty one. She is in cell twenty one eighty seven. And John Boyega's thin stormtrooper number is FN. That is correct. Um, and so that that's where I was confused. So it's the detention block is AA two three, and then it's cell block one one three eight. But she's in cell. Um, two one eight seven. Yeah, so that is indeed where his number comes. Interesting kind of cross thing. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, which is interesting. So FN is turned into Poe turns FN into Finn when they meet and they make their escape from uh, the First Order, which is the bad guys, which are the bad guys in this. There is no Empire in this movie. Okay. Um, and what's next? I was saying that I really like the escape from the ship scene yes. because that was the first really funny moment of the film. Because they try to leave on this TIE fighter that apparently is chained yes. to the ship. Um, and that that doesn't work out so well for them but they do get away and they land back on Jakku and that's instantly followed by probably the one part of the movie that gave me the biggest trouble so Poe flew back to Jakku because he wanted to get his BB-8 unit and the map and take it back to the resistance yes well for all it looks like he he dies in the crash of the the plane because the plane gets eaten by the desert. Like it comes and swallows the the plane whole, and Finn's left on his own because he was thrown away from the the plane. So he is the one that ends up finding the BB-8 unit, and that's when he runs into Ray and she she hits him in the face with her staff because BB-8 called him a thief. Yeah. For stealing Poe's jacket. But that's how the two of them get together. Yes. And I really liked how... Finn, who's played by John Boyega, who does an amazing job, who comes from Attack the Block, who we really liked in that as yes. well. The chemistry between Finn, Finn's character, and Ray's character is the large reason why I think this movie is so successful. Um, Finn, who tries really hard to want to be the hero in certain points like wants to lead her to rescue but she really doesn't need rescue at any point at all during this movie even later on when she gets taken by the first order she she gets herself doing doing well herself getting out out yes He's looking for a ship when he comes to rescue yeah, There's se- several points in that initial meeting where Finn gets grabs her hand and she's like, what are you doing? I can run without you holding my hand. Um, and they're running towards a ship 
And then he's like, we can't take off in that jumper. He goes, why not? We need a pilot. I'm a pilot. You can fly. And then the plane blows up. And then this is when we get our introduction into the Millennium Falcon because they have to take that hunk of junk instead. Right. And it's a, it's a really great um, showing of, or a really great reveal for showing the Millennium Falcon, which was fun. They leave off in the Millennium Falcon. And this is probably one of the more fun fate moments in the movie. And there's a lot of these fate moments where it could go a different way, but it doesn't. Um, they're in the Millennium Falcon. They escape in a really, really great cinematic scene from the from a couple of from a few Tie Fighters. And once they make their way into space, um, they get captured fairly quickly by Han Solo, and that's when we get the iconic Chewie "We're Home" moment when Han Solo and Chewbacca find their way onto the Millennium Falcon. And of course, when they don't see that there's a crew, the first place they look is the place where they would hide. Mm-hmm. And that is sure enough where our, where uh, Ray and Finn are hiding. And uh, that's, that's where we get the, cru- the main story for a little bit, at least. Yeah, there's some silly little side bit where whatever Han and Chewie are smuggling... There are some other roguish groups that want to to get their money back, and then they have to escape with the Millennium Falcon. That was just, I guess, a way to show what Han and Chewie have been up to in the past my 20 underst- years. My but... understanding is that the only reason that that's in there is because of J.J. Abrams wanting to work with the cast from some Indonesian raid. Yeah. And they are the gang um, that is one of the gangs that is in that sequence, in that action sequence. So it's assumed there's a, quite a bit on the cutting room floor because yeah. those guys, it, it's a, what, a kung fu movie? Yeah. There and is. they didn't get to do anything but run and jump and get eaten by giant squid monsters. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting when the three hour version of this hits the DVDs or the, and the Blu rays extended editions. Um, we meet Han Solo and Harrison Ford is amazing in this movie probably from beginning to end he is not his grumpy I don't want to be here he is he's a slightly more more goofier version of his grumpy old self there are a couple of scenes with kind of grumpy there's the scene when he is in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon again and he gets this moment and it's this fantastic beat where he's happy to be at that at that cockpit again um and then he finds out why his millennium falcon has these two kids in it and they are on a mission to um return and get this map of luke skywalker back to poe dameron or back to Pope Dameron's rebel base or resistance base. To Princess Leia. Yeah. But they don't know that. Who is now a general. But, but, but Han Solo knows that. Han Solo knows that. And the kids know of this world through myth. Yeah. And that's something that I really enjoyed throughout the movie where Luke Skywalker, the Force, 
General Solo, Han Solo, whatever you want to call him, the smuggler, um, are all kind of mythological presence to um, Ray's character because she apparently has either grown up hearing these stories or was told of them of a very early age and has myth a lot and has made the myth inside of her head well she does live on a planet where there's all these fallen uh empire yeah, the, ships and there is apparently monsters. a very big resistance battle on jakku and that is in my game oh which is why that's I didn't... the thing you were afraid of spoilers yeah so i was afraid of spoilers for that so I, I didn't play specifically because I knew that the Battle of Jaku was on there. Jaku was on there. Um, yeah. Uh, once Han Solo finds this, figures out what the mission is, he semi-begrudgingly says, okay, I'll get you where you need to go. I'll get, I'll get you where you go. I know somebody, obviously, know somebody who can help you out. And they go to this planet um, and it's a cantina scene. It's a it's the cantina scene all over again. Except exactly. The band is playing a reggae song. Yes, which apparently was written by J.J. Abrams and Lin Manuel. Man, oh, I can't remember his name, but the guy who wrote Hamilton and he's Broadway guy. Isn't it? Or wrote no, this? He wrote, wrote it with J.J. Abrams. Uh, this scene also has a Lupita Nyong'o's. Um, Maz Katana, who is a thousand years old, runs this bar. She's a sweet little alien grandma. She's she yeah, she's essentially a, a sweet little alien grandma who and believes she, that Chewbacca is her boyfriend. And she's got these goggles that she can use to zoom in on people. And yeah. I like her. I want. I hope she survived and she yes. can show up and be in more movies. There is a scene from the trailers that was mismatched from other places that was not in the movie that is her character giving the Luke uh, lightsaber to, to somebody. Leia who who people presumably have... Leia it's a lady like a, a hand that belongs to a yeah. lady of who's a bit older than Ray yeah um, but that is not in this at all in fact the way that we come through the, to the lightsaber bit is Ray is kind of at this odd point and she starts she's walking around in the cantina in this place and she hears child screaming and she walks down to see what it is where this is coming from and as she walks closer she comes to this chest inside this chest is in fact Luke Skywalker's lightsaber the original lightsaber from A New Hope that apparently has been calling to her when she touches the lightsaber, we get essentially the very first flashback scene in Star Wars history, um, where we see quick glimpses and quick cuts of the Knights of Ren, apparently surrounded by a bunch of dead bodies, whether they be Jedi Knights or whether they be soldiers or whether that be a massacre. We don't have any context for it. We just know that Kylo Ren is there surrounded with his Knights of Ren. I think that that scene was showing where Kylo Ren killed all of the Padawans from, mm -hmm. that Luke was training. And that when he was brought over to the dark side by that Snoke guy, mm -hmm. he was able to convert some of the other Jedi. So they're all former Padawans of Luke's. Luke's entirely possible. And they killed all the other ones. Yeah. 
we, we don't have a lot of context. There isn't a lot of dialogue that takes place in this flashback sequence. But for most most of the bits are flashbacks. There's a couple that we later find out are kind of like flash forward predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also some voiceovers in in that can be heard faintly. Uh, one of them is Yoda, and one of them is um, the Obi Wan's. Yes, is Obi Wan Kenobi, who it, not Alec Guinness, but it's both. It's Alex Alec Guinness, Guinness and, and Ewan McGregor's voice layered on top of one another. I think it. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're right. Um, JJ said in okay. the interview. Because uh, there are some some voiceovers there, um, and then she gets really scared. Well, yeah, really scared by this entire vision, this entire episode. Um, and Ray's character kind of has uh, okay, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Moment. She freaks out and she leaves. She doesn't want to be any part of this. Um, at which point we get another big action set piece where. The new, the first order, I was about to call them the new order, but they're the first order, attacks this cantina um, to find the BB unit. And uh, we get our first meeting of Kylo Ren and Rey. And we also find out that Poe didn't die. Yeah. He's flying around. He comes to save the day. Out of the blue. Probably one of the biggest misdirections. Yeah. Just decide to throw him in there. It It's one of the cases where I think J.J. liked the actor so much he decided to change the role, but then didn't smooth out the edge yeah. that needed to be smoothed out to make that make more sense. I agree. Because he later says, oh yeah, I got thrown clear from the ship, and mm-hmm. I... And then what? He just left his mission undone? Like, the know. whole reason they went back there was to get the BB-8 yeah. unit, and he just left it. I agree. It, it is very... When we do finally see uh, Ray and Kylo Ren, it's not really a battle. He really abducts her. Um, he takes her prisoner. He uses the Force to figure out that... To first of all, to kind of capture her, and then to kind of read her mind, um, and determine that she has seen the map, and he thinks that he can use the force because he is really powerful and she's nobody to find out the details of the map. So he figures, hey, I've got her. That's better than the map. I'm just going to take her. And so when this is also the first time when Poe and the Resistance come into play and save the cantina from this uh, attack, Kylo Ren decides, okay, I I can just go. And so they leave, and the resistance comes, and that's also when we get our big moment where Princess Leia, now General Leia Organa, uh, and Han Solo see each other for the first time in quite some time. I think this was probably the best moment for Harrison Ford. To me, he has this moment of just, he looks incredibly anxious, but eager, and he's trying to like look around the soldiers that are coming out of the ship, but not look too eager. Yeah. And that felt really authentic to me, and I really liked that moment. Yeah, and, which was ruined 
by C-3PO. The second, show, second time I watched it, I didn't feel like it was ruined as much. Because a lot of people have that awkward friend who don't realize there's a moment happening. And just, like, storm in and be like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in forever. Yeah. But he realizes it and he goes away. Yeah. Goes away with BB-8. Mm-hmm. Um, who do know each other obviously because they've been in the resistance together. I I missed that the first time. I was like, wait, how does he know the robot? Yeah, the... but they know each other um, because Poe Dameron is a part of the resistance yeah. and would obviously have interactions with C three PO and BB eight would have interactions together. Um, and then, well, finally we have a majority of our cast all together except for the fact that now Ray's gone. Ray's gone. And Finn, as a part of now the Resistance, wants to go rescue Ray because it's his friend. Mm-hmm. And they've amassed this friendship for a majority of the film. Um, and the movie does a really good job of making it seem like they're really, like, they're fast friends, right? Um, and so there is a really good, compelling reason to go and rescue her. There is also probably one of the weakest points in this movie another death base killer star killer base that is they made it even bigger yes so instead of there being a death star there is a star killer base Uh, for those of you that don't know star killer was originally the skywalker name which um, is a terrible name for a hero yes which is a terrible name which was later abandoned but star killer um, the Starkiller base is a planet-sized, is a planet that has its core taken out of it, and essentially like this focus thing put in the middle of it that can harness the power of the sun, pull it through, and fire it at planets, and it does this. So this one, it's bigger because it's the size of a planet. Yes. And it can kill multiple planets in one go, and it eats up stars. And it eats so up stars. So it's like a triple threat compared to just the Death Star. Yes. Uh, has a weakness, as all big weapons do. And they have to bring down shields. They have to break up stuff so this is a multi-faceted multi-layer rescue operation that needs to happen which will be led by han solo again going to the base with finn um and wookie in tow as a small band to go take down the shields that will then allow the fighters to blow up the part of the base that makes the whole thing work um, before they, go wrong. well, before they leave, um, there is probably the clunkiest. When I first watched it, what I thought was the clunkiest bit of dialogue between Luke and Leia, where they're discussing their son. Um, it w- didn't bother me as much on second and third viewing because I thought I had more of a feeling for the time, the passage of time between um, Leia and Solo. And the fact that they had a lot of battle scars from their prior relationship. And they've lost a son together. And so that awkwardness was more attuned to that than uh, what I originally was able to grasp. And so Leia tells Solo, please bring back our son. Dun, dun, dun. Kylo Ren is 
Leia, and Solo's son. Well, we already figured that out bum, bum, bum. Yes. By this point in the plot, it's been explicitly said by Snoke, who is our new emperor villain character. Yeah, and Kylo was like praying to the burned out shell of Darth Vader's Darth helmet. Darth Vader's helmet. Yes, he is a very emo villain. We haven't talked too much about Kylo Ren. He's a bratty teenager. When he gets upset, he starts destroying things. He does have tantrums with his saber that lead to some very interesting moments. Um, We've never seen quite a a villain quite like this. That's been that's in the middle of getting trained to be a villain. Yes, he is also conflicted because there are times that he wants to be pulled to the light, um, and has to deal with that. And so. Um, I think Adam Driver does a really good job of portraying those kind of con- that kind of conflict. And um, his hair is very fluffy his when hair he takes off fluffy. his helmet. Yeah, he's got to have he's got to have it's a turtle's helmet. There's it's bigger on the inside for his the, hair. This helmet has to be lined with like moose or something <laughs> in order to keep his hair fluffy. Um, there are moments the. I think the best moments in the movie for me is finally when Han Solo goes to face off and does see Ren and we have our Ben Kenobi moment where Solo and Kylo Ren are face to face and it looks for a very brief moment like Kylo Ren may actually give in to the good side. No, it doesn't. He gives him his lightsaber. They have this really tender moment and... He can't go. He can't do it. I don't and, think he was ever intending to, and that's not just because they were on a catwalk and Star for me Wars. He was. I you. I I there. If I'll probably be watching it, and I see the expression on Adam Driver's face as he's doing this performance, and it does feel like it does actually feel genuine to me. It actually feels like, hey, okay, I'm gonna do this, and then at the last minute, the power is getting sucked out of the sun in the background. And I think at that moment, he just snaps evil and kills Han Solo. I think that he was always intending to do it. And he he has a moment of hesitation. But I, I don't know if he ever feels remorseful about it. It's just like the, there was no... I never saw a moment that he was going to actually give the lightsaber over to Han Solo. I saw him trying to make it appear and by have his father fall into the trap to allow that to happen. But I never read it as him being conflicted about doing it because, yeah, I don't know. It's just I I wasn't a huge fan of. Kylo Ren or Adam Driver, I guess. So it all seemed very one note as petulant child to me. So it plays out, and Han Solo dies. Uh, we see him go over this catwalk, which uh, for some reason doesn't meet OSHA requirements and doesn't have a rail. I was wondering that too. Obviously, that is how the First Order is. Really That's how evil, evil they are. That is how evil they are. They are so evil that on their base, there are no rails. There are no rails on the catwalks, yes. even though they're like thousands upon thousands of feet yes. up in the air. Um, 
this is so as soon as this happens as soon as solo goes down chewy who has been watching this takes a shot at kylo ren and hits him hits him pretty good in the gut in the gut yes uh and at this point fires off the bombs that they had been setting as a part of their plan um Finn and Ray had been watching this the whole time, and they're just devastated that this has happened. And they make their escape. Chewie, Finn, and Ray make this escape. At which point, uh, Finn and Ray face off against Kylo Ren. While this is going on, the battle, the uh, X-Wing TIE Fighter battle is going on up top to... Uh, blow up the piece of this Starkiller base that will essentially disarm the weapon because now the weapon is aimed at where the resistance fighters are and they have minutes left just the same way that it is in A New Hope. Um, As Finn and Rey are fighting, actually Finn and Rey uh, attempt to attack Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren throws Rey up against a tree, she gets knocked out. And so Finn is left to kind of defend himself and her with a lightsaber that was given to him in the battle before by um, Maz. The little alien grandmother. Yes, the little alien grandmother. Um, So he's got this lightsaber in hand. The moment he sees it, Kylo Ren is like, that belongs to me. And Finn goes, come and take it. And they have, uh, and Finn attempts to defend himself with a lightsaber. He does a mediocre job at best with it. Uh, Kylo he clips his arm. Yeah, he does. Kylo's arm. He does get some good blows, but ultimately gets bested by Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. He's not killed, no. um, but he's scarred up pretty well. One of those things. Yes, it's like up his spine. Hopefully, he will have functional legs, or he will have robot legs. Possibly. The lightsaber gets thrown to the snow further away, and... Because Kylo is lazy, doesn't want to walk over to it. Has to force... There's this great moment where the lightsaber is shaking in the snow, reminiscent of Empire Strikes Back. And all along the way, Kylo Ren has started to notice her force sensitivity... Um, right. There's a, a scene where she breaks out. That's how she breaks out of the clutches of some stormtroopers. It's a really, really great comical beat. Um, and finally is able to pull this lightsaber to her. And it's the great hero moment. She does a, a much better job of fighting with the lightsaber than Finn did. This has also kind of been slowly fed to us because we've seen her fight with a staff before. And we've seen her take care and stand up for herself pretty much in every single situation throughout the movie. So watching her defend herself with a lightsaber is actually was fairly organic for me. But she was losing. Yeah, I mean, she she wasn't in danger of dying, but she was clearly losing until Kylo Ren says, "I will train you in the use of the Force," and she's like, "The Force." Yes, and then she kind and of has she, a Zen moment. She takes a moment to center herself and then starts knocking the crap out of him with that lightsaber she cuts up his face she yep. gets his other arm cuts up his leg yeah she gets some good shots in there she doesn't cut off any limbs no but she does get some good shots in to a lot of his limbs and then he is down for the count and that's when the planet starts fate, exploding <laughs> fl- fate splits them apart 
she goes back to save Finn and Chewie has the Millennium Falcon at this point and they make their escape. And that would normally be the end of the movie. No, we're still... Well, there because is a character that has not shown up yet. There is a character, but he, here's what I mean. In each of the previous movies, the moments after the big space battle or the big uh, Death Star blow up are followed by either a ceremony or people a celebrating. Ewok dance party. Yes, or an Ewok dance party. This does not end that way. Um, the map is finally put back together and Kylo Ren no no sorry uh, Ray and Chewbacca make their way to where Skywalker is they find Luke who's just standing on a cliff yes he's uh, been waiting he's like looking at his watch guys come on that map I left it for you 10 years ago so yeah uh, he has not a word in that final scene not a word in this entire movie and is still credited second in the cast listing um and that's the end that's really the end where we're left to wonder um what and i will we'll get an answer to this probably in the next movie because i think that episode eight will probably take place right after this and we will see kylo ren getting trained on the dark side and see ray Getting trained on the inside. Uh, On the good side, sorry. By her father. Possibly, yes. Because that look said, Daddy, you abandoned me. You're Luke Skywalker. Yeah. That is what that look said. So one of the fun things about this movie was seeing all the people who had bit parts. Yes. So you had, and I'm just going down the IMDb list. You had Thomas Brody Sangster, who was the kid from Love Actually. He's also a Maze Runner, and he was in Game of Thrones. Yeah. He has, like, one line. He works in the control room for the First Gone. Order. He's dead. He got it blown up. Um, let's see. Who else? You had Hannah John Kamen, who is from Killjoys. She is part one of dead. the First Order officers, probably exploded. Let's see. Who else was there? There was Billy Lord from Scream Queens, who happens to be Carrie Fisher's daughter. She was in the background of quite a few scenes where the um, resistance was. So she's still alive. There is apparently Judah Freelander from 30 Rock was one of the aliens in the, the cantina. Michael Giacchino, who did all the music for Alias and Lost, is a stormtrooper. Yeah, there's a lot of cameos in in there. Um, You had Ken Luke from Lost. He was an admiral. He had a couple of speaking lines, so he yeah. There there are a lot of a lot of cameos in there. Warwick Davis. A lot of people called in favors to be in this movie. Yeah, he he was someone called Wolovan. I'm guessing an alien. Um, who else? Greg Grunberg is one of the pilots that makes it out of the, the fight. He yeah. His entire career is based off of the fact that he chose J.J. Abrams to be his best friend when they were like I don't seven. Know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Simon Pegg was Ankar Plutt. And yeah, there's another one. Yeah, there's a lot of cameos. 
Um, what uh, what else did you like? It was just a fun movie. There's a lot more humor than I was expecting. Finn had some really good lines. Yeah, the amount of funny bits in this movie is great. Um, there, the I think BB-8 kind of steals the show. Yes. He has this little lighter moment. Which was a thumbs up. Yeah, which was a thumbs up. Um, there's the moment where Finn can't quite find a piece of tape or something. And no, not that one. No, not that one. The one I'm pointing to. The one I'm pointing to. Like three or four times, which is kind of fun to watch. Um, yeah, I, it, it's it's a funny movie throughout. There are funny, funny, uh, plenty of uh, really good one-liners by Poe. Uh, especially in the beginning, there's this whole, there's this nice little pause sequence where he's like, you talk first, I talk first. I'm not, not quite sure what. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know what else to include. I'm really looking forward to the next episode. I'm really glad for the relaunch that this does to this, to this franchise. Um, I'm really hoping that they stop at nine for the Skywalker saga. But then they could pick up with other people. Yeah, I think they could definitely pick up with other stories and give us some side stories um, and expand on the universe without going back to the Skywalkers. Unless they figure out a way to expand this universe because the funnest part of some of... Even the prequels was seeing the, um, the Jedi in their full glory. And if this series could bring that back somehow, I think there would be plenty of places to lift off and go into different directions. What else you got? It was fun. You should go see it. Yes, you should go see it. We have seen it. Now that we've told you the entire plot. You should go see it again. Except we never talked about General Hux or Captain Phasma. Because they're... So... It's funny that you bring up Captain Phasma because I, I was disappointed in how little she was in the movie. She is in so much promotional material. She is the Silver Stormtrooper, in case She's you didn't know. She's supposed to be bigger in the next one. Yes. Um, um, and General Hux, the first time we saw the movie, was very distracting to me because he was played by Domino Gleason, who is a Weasley, who's also the guy from Ex Machina. <laughs> I'll say that later. But um, he did not look like himself, and I got very distracted at trying to figure out what did they do to him to that made him not look like himself. But he's very good with his stern, apoplectic yelling as the head of the army of the, the First Order. But his... um, somebody on Facebook today posted that um, Ex Machina is the weirdest prequel to Star Wars ever. Um... His speech that he gives out to the army is one of the more clunky points in the movie. There is a very Third Reich kind of moment in it. I'm pretty sure that was the point. Yeah, but even that, even the speech itself, the words that they say are really, really clunky. And they're to the army, which I find interesting in because I think I've mentioned this before or mentioned this to you before in... Episodes 4, 5, and 6, the Empire has an army. Those are the stormtroopers. That makes sense. 
if there is no empire in this, there is just the first order. And so is the first order just an army? Are, are they an army with no nation? I, hopefully this is things that are cleared either in canon in other books or in future movies. Um, but that part wasn't really apparent to me. So this speech is to I don't know who. I don't either. Uh, though, had I seen this movie as a child, I would have realized the stormtroopers were not robots. Because for the longest time, from the first time I saw uh-huh. a Star Wars movie, probably until I was close to 18, I I truly believed all the stormtroopers were robots. Entirely understandable. Because they were all the same size. Yeah. They moved in sequence. They looked like robots. Yeah. They had terrible aim. <laughs> so this has since been explained to me, uh, and it, apparently it is in one of the books, uh, and it's explained fairly well. So in in the original, in episodes one, two, and three, the Republic sends, or the Republic is what makes the clones for battle, to right. battle against... A, a giant robot army the empire the emperor emperor palpatine takes over not as not because he's emperor but uh, because he's a senator who then becomes emperor through very nefarious means and uses the clone army to defeat the war that he essentially instigated uh, and these clones are great for short term but it isn't really great for long term and so in episodes four five and six there are people that are getting recruited to be stormtroopers oh. and so by that point uh there there are people that are in those helmets um and now we've gotten to the point to where uh the first order is essentially stealing children instead of using clones and brainwashing them. And so that's been the kind of evolution of the Stormtrooper. So I thought that was a really interesting when it was So do you think we'll see the good guys with the clones since they would be the ones in charge of the clones now? And so I brought up this point to you early that I wished that Poe Dameron's character was in fact a clone and that would be a really great explanation as to why he left. Right, that doesn't explain how he remembered Fend. Yeah, but it doesn't... And it's not the case. That is not canon... Uh, so I don't want anybody to think that Poe Dameron is a clone. He is not. Um, he His return is just very clunky. Uh, I It'll be interesting to see if the resistance has to resort to clones. I don't know. I would find... I would be, it would be really interesting to see. Well, they did take out quite a few of the First Order. Yes, they did. They blew up an entire planet of them. Yeah. So I think they're going to be a bit broken at yeah. this point it just depends how many people are with Snoke yeah. who may or may not be a giant golem yeah uh, Snoke is the emperor character and in the first scenes that we see him we see him very similarly to the way that we were first introduced to Emperor Palpatine which is you see a giant representation of him but in the original trilogy, you see just his face. In this, you see him sitting in a chair, a very Lincoln-esque chair. True. Um, and but he's got a weird deformed face. face. Like, it's a humanoid face, but not quite, which is why I call him Gollum. Yeah, he's voiced by... Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis, who, who, also is Gollum. who was also Gollum. 
so more things that we will have to get clarity on in future episodes. In 17 months. Yes, 17 months. Woohoo! Can you last that long? I can because in a year... We get a, a prequel. We get a prequel. We get uh, Rogue One, which is going to be the story of how the Rebels first got the Dar- Death Star plants. And I how bet, Leia gets to those Death I Star plants. I bet we meet Tekka, a younger Tekka. I bet so too. And then we'll know who Tekka was. And then about four or five months away from that, we'll get episode eight. Which will hopefully have Tatiana Maslan in it, but mm-hmm. we don't know yet. Don't know yet. And then a year after that, or sometime soon after that, we will get a Han Solo movie. If they ever find you, they're going to... Apparently finish. everybody is going to be Han Solo. Everybody. It's it's going to be like that Bob Dylan movie we saw that was six different people playing Bob Dylan, including Kate Blanchett. And... Yeah, they'll just have each scene will be a different actor playing Han Solo. It'll be yeah. fun. It'll be an art house film. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. This is probably it for us for this week. Next week we might return. I'm thinking with another one-off episode where we'll talk about two different shows that have been translated from books. Sounds... That are now television shows that we're watching. That sounds fun. So, um, I know what shows they are. Do you? I think so. What shows do you think they'll be? Jessica Jones and Expanse. Ding, ding, ding. Woohoo! Uh, so yeah, next week, join us. We'll talk about both um, the Expanse new sci-fi series and the first book in that series, Leviathan Wakes, which is what this first season is based off of. As well as Netflix show Jessica Jones and the comic book series Alias, which it's based off of. But until then, where can people find you online? I am on Twitter at Fern Borrego. I am occasionally on Twitter at Work for Mandroid and even less frequently on WorkingForTheMandroid.com. You can always send us emails at WorkingForTheMandroid at gmail.com and we will respond. We would love to hear your feedback and comments and suggestions and have a good whatever winter holiday. So you can. Bye. Bye.